Welcome to the 100 Podcast. It's Ed and Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today we return to our 100 redraft series. Basically what we've done is we have redrafted the entire 100 tournament. Eight teams, eight new general managers completely reselecting the entire tournament. Each GM got assigned a team. They chose local icons for that team. And then from that point, it was an utter free-for-all. Today, we talk through the team for the Manchester Originals, who was general managed by Kieran. Kieran, thank you very much uh, for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's talk through my team. Let's let's start with your your local icons. Uh, you have the Manchester Originals, uh, and you had the luxury of picking Liam Livingston in the 100k range I don't think we need to debate that too much because that's a slam dunk very obvious pick and you're very lucky in that regard but it did kind of leave you I guess with two options for your second local icon you could have gone with Matt Parkinson or Saki Mahmood you went with Parkinson why was that? Oh it's a, it's a difficult one I'm, I'm a big fan of Saki Mahmood as you probably probably know from my tweets but I mean the lack of leg spinners in England was mainly the reason for Parkinson I mean, when he's the, the second best after Adil Rashid, home ground obviously prefers Old Trafford. So it was, yeah, we, it wasn't really a a major yes, no, yeah, just just sort of a vibey pick. Leg spinners are better than fast bowlers. I think, especially at Old Trafford, which is a very spin heavy pitch, it's quite a unique track. I think in terms of the eight hundred grounds, when you went into this with your draft process did you think particularly heavily in terms of drafting players that you thought were going to be appropriate for that old traffic track uh to an extent yeah i mean that's sort of why you've got parkinson i mean you've got the the wide um the long sort of square boundaries so you've got your leg spinners like parkinson players like Lockie ferguson who can bowl those heavy those hard lengths try and get players playing horizontal bat shots so yeah, to an extent, but overall it was sort of, yeah, just sort of just sort of pick the best players. But there's sort of an element to it. Yeah. And obviously that meant that you gave up Sack and Mood, who became my first pick. So thank you very much for that. Interesting, <laughs> I think you were in a great position because if now I chose Sakib Mood fourth overall, that's a fourth overall pick, not the round four. If you'd have taken Sakib and left Matt Parkinson out of there, I'd have taken him fourth overall. So you really were in quite an enviable position there. Um, given given the amount of talent you have. So I think that's a really strong position to start off with. Round one, you have a sixth pick in the draft. Um, the likes of Rashid Khan, Glenn Maxwell, Under Russell, Son Ryan, Saka Mood, all off the board. Your first round pick was Nicholas Poran, a fantastically talented batter. Why Nicholas Poran? Why is he the building block, the first pick of your side? Well, when you assess the talent pool that... Um sort of local players of the local batters there's a real lack of left-handed options unless you have um obviously Moeen or you go for like a Morgan or a Duckett there's really that sort of lack of left-hand options and with players like Butler and Livingston already in the side um I felt like going for that left-handed option was especially a spin-heavy left-hander was probably the best sort of uh player to supplement them um also wicketkeeper just in case Butler's not there young player so yeah it was a pretty standard pick 
Yeah, I think it 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 takes a box in terms of just getting a really talented player who you're right that in terms of destructive left-handed middle order players, there's not many elite ones in the world. And you got one Nicholas Poor, and certainly not many uh, in English cricket. And then in round three and round four, you go and get two more super talented players. Super talented players. You've got Nicholas Poran, Liam Livingston's local icon. Then in round three, you take Sam Billings. And in round four, you steal Lockie Ferguson one pick before I was going to take him for the Welsh fire. Talk me through Billings. Talk me through Ferguson. I think those are interesting picks. And they fill, I guess, very specific roles in your side. Yeah, I mean the the Billings Billings was someone I was quite after, I was after quite quickly because he's sort of a flexible batter. He, you don't get many of those sort of middle to he can play lower order uh, batters in in the uh, sort of talent pool. So picking him, you know, he could play he could play at four perhaps alongside Poo and he could play probably below probably promote Livingston above him. So he's sort of a bit fluid like that. Again, another wicket keeper. But yeah, I mean it. It made sense to go for him over somebody like, you know, who else was picked? Ben Duckett was picked around there. I think Billings is a slightly better player than him. Mm. Harry Brook, I think Billings is a bit more experienced. Again, he's a good captain. So there's a lot to like about Billings. I think what Billings offers you as well is a really tidy spin hitter, someone who is really good against that kind of bowling, which Old Trafford is invaluable. And I think Billings, poor run Livingstone, that's a hell of a middle order. You got locked in already there. Yeah, as you've seen for Billings, he's obviously recently for the um, Sydney Thunder. Um, sort of handles that spin quite well. Uh, again, alongside Puran, he can, if, if an, an opposition is uh, spin heavy, I'm sure they could handle the middle overs. Protect someone like Livingston, who, again, not a bad player of spin, but I prefer to see him pacing, uh, facing pace. And then Lockie Ferguson, the, the, the New Zealand seamer, uh, an actual Manchester original. Why was he uh, kind of top of the list for going and getting a fast bowler? Why is he the one you wanted? Just pure pace. Uh, yeah, pure pace can sort of bowl most of the uh, throughout most of the innings. I mean, his death bowling and Newball bowling maybe not quite the um, quite as good as his middle over enforcer and sort of in, in in an enforcer role. But yeah, he was sort of the probably the highest selection. I mean, like you were going to pick him, so. Mm. I think it pretty much speaks for himself, really. Yeah, I, I do think Lockie just has such a such an X factor, and we've seen that with the pace he bowls with. There are very few bowlers, I think, out there who um, you know really bowl that heat. Uh, and when you have the opportunity to take one of them, I think you do. Um, and it's interesting that we talk about rare skill sets a lot on this podcast extreme pace is one of those rare skill sets, especially in English cricket and in franchise cricket. So you go and get Lockie Ferguson in round four, and then in round five, you come back for maybe a player who doesn't quite bowl with the same extreme heat that he used to, but it's still a very talented player, Wahab Riaz in round five as your second overseas seamer. Go through that pick for us. Yeah, again, I like Wahab Riaz. I like, I mean, he's such a vibey player. Those, I mean, <laughs> he can go for like 60. He can go for 20 in his four overs. He can win you the game. He can lose you the game. But I just like having him left armour, likes bowling with the old ball, um, can bat a little bit as well. But yeah, I mean, I picked Wahab Riaz. He's one of sort of a, a misunderstood bowler in a way for me. I think he's better than a lot of people say he is. But yeah, I mean, that's probably why I was left on the board. So that's why I went for him. 
Well, Andy Flower certainly does not agree. Andy Flower thinks he's quality. Anywhere Andy Flower goes, you'll probably see Wahabri is going yes. as well. I mean, Wahab is, he is, as you kind of allude to, I think he's quite a volatile player. I think his uh, returns can be incredibly good or incredibly weak. But I like, I kind of rate that you've gone for that in a way. Like, I think he offers you something with the death, something in the death overs, which again, I think if you look at the English domestic options there aren't a huge deal of particularly high end operators there so I think that's a, a good area to attack with overseas players yeah sort of an, ag- an aggressive pick I'd say yeah and I guess you kind of want to go for it uh, especially when you're in a tournament like the 100 where you don't just win by having the best side you know T20 100 cricket isn't one by the best side all the time you have to play the percentages a guy who can go and win your games is important and taking um you know a guy like Wahab Riaz certainly offers you that I did have just the, the thought flicked into my head just now great comparison for Wahab Riaz I, I've decided this literally this second I think Wahab Riaz as the is the Suleiman Ben of left arm quick bowling if you look at what he does he should be the best bowler in the world like ben was what six four six five spun it a mile drifted him while getting loads of bounce bowled the best deliveries you'll ever see however in every odi he bowled he went like one for 64 well Habri has a similar thing where he bowls 90 plus gets that ridiculous reverse swing complete unplayable deliveries and yet he does go for quite a few runs at times and maybe doesn't quite live up to the potential, but certainly a fascinating pick. And then I like the fact that you've gone with two overseas seamers because you now have two, you know, two in Ferguson and Riaz. And those are the kind of bowlers that English cricket, you don't really get many of. No, exactly. I mean, that's why I waited until you'll probably come on to them later, but until what was it? Round eight to pick my first English quick. So it would have been the mood, but. Yeah, I thought the overseas um, talent pool was a little, especially considering that we're pretending that all of these players are fit, was a little bit uh, better than the English talent pool. Let's move on to round seven and eight, shall we? You've got Mark, Matt Parkinson in round six. And the fact, I mean, look, the bowling attack you're already building with Ferguson, Riaz and Parkinson is pretty special. But yeah, in round seven, you go get Chris Benjamin, uh, the, one of the breakout stars of the 100, played one professional T20 match before picking up his contract uh, with the Birmingham Phoenix. And then round eight, you take. English quick bowler, Ollie Stone. Let's start with Chris Benjamin. What makes him so valuable to you? Because you've already got two wicket-keeping options in Sam Billings and uh, Nicholas Poran, as well as Joss Butler, England international. Yeah, so Chris Benjamin was more of the the, the role than the, the wicket-keeping. It was um, sort of a lower-order hitter, as, as we saw for the Birmingham Phoenix. Came in, scored boundaries, scored in orthodox areas, you know, behind the keeper. Um played pace quite well, so fast scorer. So I thought he sort of complements the rest of the attack. If, you know, players like Livingston and Butler and Billings can be playing longer innings, someone like him makes more sense. I think Benjamin is very quietly one of the most exciting white ball batters that we have in this country because he's incredibly versatile. I know we saw a lot of him as a finisher for Phoenix last season, the 100. But he's strong against the spin. He's also pretty strong against the pace. He batted at three for the Birmingham Bears. Uh, I hate calling him that. They should be called Warwickshire. I hate it. But anyway, uh, he batted a free for the Birmingham Bears uh, in their blast and did pretty decently there as well. He's quite a versatile player. And I think with all that in mind, he's a particularly valuable pick. Let's move on to round eight then. Ollie Stone. This pick really fascinates me because we know how quick Ollie Stone is. We know you know the ability he has. But due to a number of reasons, Ollie Stone hasn't really been a consistent T20 performer since he changed the way he spelt his name when he was at Northamptonshire. 
it's been a while since Ollie Stone's really made a mark on the T20 circuit. Why is O Y Stone your round eight pick? Um, it's going to sound a bit cliche, but he is quick. Uh, <laughs> but again, I mean, he's slightly different to Wahabria and Lockie Ferguson. I mean, Lockie Ferguson is more of your middle overs and force a bowler. Wahabria is towards the death. I thought I needed someone who could maybe extract a little bit out of the, you know, if there's a little bit of movement early on. And Ollie Stone, with his Red Bull skill set as well, is, is that sort of player. So I thought that um, compared to the rest of the pace bowlers uh, picked around this sort of time, you'd be Jamie Overton's, uh, Matt Mills was picked around here, Brad Wheel. I thought, you know, clearly a much higher quality in Ollie Stone if he's fit. Did the thought cross your mind regarding injuries in this moment? Because Lockie has picked up his fair share, as has Wahab Riaz, and Ollie Stone is almost permanently injured. I guess that's kind of the issue you face when you pick these 90-mile-an-hour bowlers. That's just what happens. But does that concern you at all in the fact that your three frontline seamers, you could get to the start of the tournament, they could all be injured and you could be calling up Luke Fletcher as your wild card pick to open the bowling. I mean, yes, yeah, it's a slight concern, but there's a concern with every, every sort of pace bowler in the world, really. Um, but I mean, I'm sure I could find suitable replacements elsewhere. Let's move to round nine and round 10 then. Matthew Carter's your round nine pick, the tall off spinner from uh, Nottinghamshire. And then Alex Davies in round 10, you had a really nice hundred. Uh, Matt Carter seems like the kind of bowler who could succeed a lot at Old Trafford basically you know the off-spinning version of Tom Hartley really bowls very well in the power play tall gets under the bat a lot he seems like a good fit for the Manchester Originals yeah so after I I sort of tried to lock down a core of the team with first um, sort of eight picks plus Butler in there and I thought, you know, someone like Matt Carter could like really complement the um, the spin attack you've got Matt Parkinson's leg spin um, you've also got Livingston who can bowl leg spin and off spin. So I thought um, maybe an off spinner to um, make use of um, the old traffic pitch uh, and conditions, as well as uh, attacking sort of teams that may be a bit left-handed. I noticed that the original um, Northern Superchargers, they had, um, you know, your uh, Willie Stokes uh, life in there. So... Mm quite a lot of left-handers. So that was that was sort of my thinking with, with Carter. Again, not a, maybe not a permanent um, player in the eleven, but certainly playing quite a few of the games. I think he's a more than useful squad option. And I think particularly in this format of the game, it's just so important to have all of your bases covered in terms of matchups. Uh, and as far as, you know, your basic right arm off spinner goes, Matthew Carter is one of the better ones on the domestic circuit, in my opinion. I think he did very well for Trent Rockets last season. Uh, and I think where you picked him up is actually quite good value, as is your next pick, Alex Davis, who, you know, some might say is a little bit anchory, but had a very strong showing last season for the 100. What was it about Alex Davis that kind of attracted you to him? Um, again, sort of after picking these sort of vibey players, I went for someone like Alex Davis, who's a bit more of a, a, a steady player. Again, might not be in the side, depending on how well the rest of the team goes. So, yeah, that sort of solidity that we could, you know, maybe have if we're batting a, a really badly used Old Trafford pitch, um, sort of a bit of an anchory role, allow the other players to bat alongside him. So, yeah, and again, compared to the rest of the bats sort of picked around here, maybe slightly higher quality. And he knows the pitch. He's scored a lot of runs for Lancashire there over the years, so it makes sense. My big question to you, to you though, Kieran, is who actually keeps 
Like, who is your first choice keeper? Now you have <laughs> Joss Butler, Nicholas Poran, Sam Billings, Chris Benjamin, and Alex Davies. Who keeps? Like, is it a case of finding the worst fielder? Like, it, it feels like you've got a bit of a situation here. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, looking at the rest of the side, I mean, Nicholas Poran is a really good outfielder. Sam Billings is another really good outfielder. Mm. Butler can roll around in the field. I have no idea how good Chris Benjamin is as a keeper, so I'd probably keep him out, and then maybe Dave could take the gloves. Not, not really too concerned. I'll probably put Billings in just so he talks with the stump mic. But yeah, yeah. Alex Davies is another kind of plucky outfielder as well. So you've you've really got your your bases covered. Proper all rounders. They can bat, they can keep, and they can field. Proper three dimensional players. And that's why they're called all rounders on the hundred website. Exactly, this is that's it. it. You're finally embracing it. Hundred all rounders. It's much more than that. Um, <laughs> let's move to round 11 and round 12. Stephen Mullaney in round 11 uh, was a really strong pick, in my opinion. And then in round 12, represent Ed Pollock-Hurd, the left-handed dynamic player who now is uh, representing Worcestershire and moving on from this season, which is a great move for him. Uh, Stephen Mullaney is just a match made in heaven for a pitch like this. A dependable middle order player, a fantastic 100 with the bat. And then when he's fit... His bowling is incredibly useful. Yeah, that was sort of the thinking. I mean, I, I don't really have that sort of pace bowling, well, you know, pace bowling all rounder. I was looking at you know Jordan Thompson, who you seem to have Ed yeah. as as sort of the, the main sort of number seven in the side. So when he was picked, I sort of left it sort of until a little bit too late, if anything. But uh, again, there's not many of those players in sort of the English game at the moment players that can bat seven and bowl again Millennium's not a number seven batter at all but he's the sort of player you'd bring in to have that sort of balance in the side again if he can combine and get the not four overs but 20 20 balls is it yeah 20 balls between him and Livingston that's your your fifth bowler sorted yeah and I think also people forget how quality about Stephen Millennium is and you know I know we talk about intent a lot and it is important but you know scores aren't always particularly high um, at Old Trafford and Stephen Mullaney's a consistent run scorer and when the pitch is attacky he scores runs on them he's scored a lot of runs in the blast so I like that and then you've kind of gone for the polar opposite batter in a sense in Ed Pollock who is just the original intent machine almost to his own demise at Warwickshire unfortunately uh, what, why Ed Pollock what makes you rate him? Again, the Ed Pollock sort of um, the pick comes sort of with Stephen Mullaney. If you've got someone like Stephen Mullaney coming in at number seven, then like sort of a Wahab down at eight, Matt Carter at nine, he can sort of hit the ball. There's plenty of batting depth there. It gives the rest of the batting unit a bit more intent. So someone like an Ed Pollock, left-hander up the order, if he bats ahead of Alex Davies, alongside Joss Butler, just tell him to go hard in the power play because during the 100, we didn't see particularly high power play scores. In, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So some someone like Ed Pollock could um, sort of give the team that, that sort of little edge. Yeah, I love that. And I, I'm very open with my love for Ed Pollock. And I, I think it's an interesting pick as well because he he can give you that fast star, which almost alleviates any issues if, say, Joss Butler wants to play himself in a little bit. Or if another, you know, if the team aren't quite getting going, or even, and this is the ideal scenario, you're chasing Old Trafford, you need 125 of 100 deliveries, uh, and it might be a sticky pitch, and it might cause you issues, and you might get bogged down in the middle overs. But if Ed Pollock goes, hits 20 off eight deliveries, and suddenly you're looking at, you know, 105 off 90, your situation is so much easier, and he can kind of 
put you in a great position there. So I love that pick. Round 13 and round 14, you have uh, both really impressed me and Charlie and really disgusted me and Charlie. Uh, in round 13, <laughs> you've gone with podcast favourite, Lewis Deploy. Um, that, let's start with Lewis before we go on to your round 14 pick, which I really like. What, what is it about Lewis Deploy that, that draws you in? It's better be good. Uh, lo- <laughs> <laughs> um, like Ed Pollock, I mean, another left-hander. I mean, my team is not blessed with left-handers. So if I do need somebody to come in as a left-hander, he, he could come in and, and do that role. Um, and my main reason was because he hit uh, Matt Parkinson into the River Taff for six during the 100, and that's about all I remember. So, yeah. But still, quite quite an impressive player from what I saw of him. I will say I think Sophia Gardens is probably the only ground in the country that Lewis Deploy is easily depositing sixes into. But... I, I do see I do see your point because he's an interesting player in the fact that I think he can be at times quite tough to bowl to. Um, and I think he can dictate the play. And sometimes he does get stuck against the ball turning away from him. But but I think he's a useful squad option for you potentially. Wouldn't have been a pick for me. He wasn't on my board. Um his numbers aren't you know overly impressive. Um, but you know, he does he he does bring something and a bit of a bit of variety. It's important to get some left-handers in your side because you know, being able to match up is incredibly important. So he, he probably doesn't play for your side. Um, you know, it won't be me and Charlie's favourite pick, obviously, but we're, we're going to respect you for it um, through gritted teeth. Round 14, this really interests me. Um, you've got three really quick seamers available for you in Stone and Ferguson and Riaz. And in round 14, you've really quadrupled down by taking Sonny Baker from Somerset, who is a young prospect who, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't really have known. I don't think anyone really knew of him uh, until um, the list day tournament, the developmental one day tournament, which happened during the hundred. In fact, Sonny Baker has not played a professional T20 match yet. So run us through your thinking on why you selected him despite no T20 appearances yet. Yeah. um, Generally a vibe pick. Uh, young, quick. I mean, there's a couple of viral clips you'll see of him swinging the new ball and demolishing stumps. So, again, so quite sad we won't see him in the Under-19 World Cup because of injury. But, um, yeah, sort of a, a young, quick. I mean, I think he was drafted in by the Trent... Was it Trent Rockets? Yes, he's a replacement pick for them, yeah. So, I mean, someone else clearly rates him. So, I, I, hopefully I'm barking up the right tree. I think you are. I do think it's very brave given the... Um... <laughs> Injury record of your other three seamers. I mean, if all it takes is one end to go down, you're giving a T20 debut to little lad. But I have to respect it. It's so, so brave that your four seamers are three, like, very, very injury-prone guys and the, and the child. But it's brilliant. An injury-prone child is here's the other thing. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> currently injured. I, I do have to respect it. We talk about high variance on the podcast a lot, and you genuinely embrace it so strongly in the fact that you could go out there with a, a pace attack or a fully firing Ferguson, Riaz and Stone, or you could start the tournament with a fully firing pace attack of Jamie Porter, Luke Fletcher <laughs> uh, and Josh Tongue. So really, I, I fully respect what you're doing. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite the event. Yeah. Let's run through the, uh, the 11 that you might go with for the tournament. And you've got Josh Butler and Liam Livingston opening up. Nicholas Poran, Alex Davies, Sam Billings, Chris Benjamin, that's going to be kind of middle order. Melania at seven, Riaz eight, 
Stone 9, Ferguson 10, and then Matt Parkinson at 11. That's the side you've chosen. I think you bat really deep, which is great. Um, but let's just address that the obvious thing we've talked about a lot already. It, you you must be concerned that that all of your seamers are very likely to be injured. I mean that that I guess that must be something that you look at and think it could all go dreadfully wrong very quickly. Um, I, I would say no, but yes. Uh, <laughs> again, this team is not going to ever take the field. But if it did, I would be very concerned by that. It looks great on paper, and to be fair, we can't disprove that the they wouldn't stay healthy. Um, it it is it is great fun. I think I think you do have to kind of think about that. And I think that's the kind of thing that we are privileged in not having to think about a great deal. We can say, "Oh, he bowls ninety mile an hour. He's going to be really effective. It'll be really fun," and then not think about the fact that you might run into issues when he does get injured. The other thing that interests me about this attack is that you've gone all pace uh, at um, yeah, yeah, at Old Trafford, which is interesting. You obviously got Stephen Mullaney there to take the pace off, but you've actually only really taken two frontline spinners in your side. Obviously, you've got um, Liam Livingston, who can throw in some change-ups there, um, whatever, whatever he's bowling on the day, off-spin, leg-spin. That's really helpful as a part-time option. But then you've only really got Matt Parkinson and Matthew Carter um, as spinners. Were you tempted to go more spin heavy? Because it, it kind of feels like other teams who visit Old Trafford, other teams who start off at Old Trafford would go significantly more spin heavy. Yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, I personally think the 100 squads are a little bit too short. I mean, mm. 11 players and four reserves, you can't quite get that full um, sort of depth into the side. So if I had one more pick, it probably would have been another spinner. Probably, um, probably a left arm spinner. Maybe Daniel Moriarty. Maybe a leg spinner. <laughs> Daniel Moriarty, as everyone's everyone's last pick should have been Daniel Moriarty. But but I, I kind of agree on that front because it's a little bit of a shame that you can't have you know another player in there because it would just give more variety. And I think that would allow teams to play to different strengths a bit more. But I, I guess that's just the way it is. But you do you do have. Carter, Parkinson, Mullaney and Livingston, which you know gives you great flexibility still. Also, Wahab Riaz, I mean, if we do see these sort of pitches where the ball does stick into the pitch, he's got a mean slower ball. Yeah. His record in the UE is, is exceptional. So, again, he could be another option. But I, I think the emergence of Livingston really sort of drew me down the path of only picking sort of two extra spinners. His quality during the World Cup was... Um, was quite exemplary, really, considering he's supposedly a part-timer. Way more than yeah. a part-timer. Way more than yeah, a part-timer. Sure, and for sure. You, you look at what he bowled a couple of years ago. Um, I remember when he started off bowling some leg spin, it he bowled quite a bit of dross. And I remember he reverted to off spin, and I got quite annoyed because I love my leg spin. I thought he's wasting his talents. And I think he realized that he wasn't quite good enough at either, but he could just bowl both. And I think that's that that is such a rare skill set. I mean, he's basically an ambidextrous bowler. I mean, it's exactly the same thing. He, he can turn the ball from either matchup. So you do have that really rare matchup option and, and that benefits you greatly. Then you have a world-class leg spinner and you have a very good power play spinner and you have Stephen Mullaney, who is the most frustrating bowler to watch in the T20 Blast. So you do cover those bases and then you're batting. I mean, 
Jeez, right. Butler, Livingston, Poran, Billings, Benjamin, Davies. I realise one does not quite fit amongst the others there, but that's <laughs> that's an incredible top six. Your batting depth is insane. Uh, and even though, you know, you, it, potentially likely that Butler, Billings, Livingston, maybe they play some test cricket. God, that you, you move Mullaney up to five, you put Ed Pollock at the top and it's still destructive. Yeah, so that that was sort of the, the that's obviously the the sort of uh, idea that I had with the first. I think it was four picks, if you include Butler and Livingston, were all all batters. So I sort of I, I was leaning towards sort of a batting heavy approach. Mm. Uh, Butler sort of to bat throughout the innings. Um, I probably wouldn't open with Livingston. I think that's well, maybe I could, but I think that's a little bit too aggressive. I, I prefer to pick somebody that could just have full license to attack the power play. So potentially Davies but more likely a Pollock um, just to go out there and attack really mm. and then obviously um, Nicholas Puron Billings if needed about four Livingston down at five Benjamin at six and then uh, Mullaney could come in at seven and really bring that depth which would allow the likes of um, the Butlers the Purons, the Livingstons the Billings to play a freer game knowing that they've got such an experienced player down at seven yeah, I think that's my favourite thing about this setup, actually. There's the flexibility of that batting lineup. I think that's such a valuable asset to have in the short form of a game. You need to be able to read the situation of the game. I think the days of a rigid batting lineup are just, just history. You can't do that anymore. What you have are players who have experienced batting in a lot of different positions and have the skills to do that. So as far as I'm concerned, you've done really well in assembling that. Yeah. I agree, and I think your side is fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm probably playing Matthew Carter and so Volley Stone, and when you have that, and you have Parkinson, Stone, Livingston, Mullaney, Riaz, Ferguson, that that pace stat looks you know really strong with those two, and then really strong spinners. You just look very balanced and very destructive. I mean, bar the fact that it could all go horrendously wrong, I think this is probably one of the strongest sides in the competition. Where do you? rank yourself amongst the other sides so I, I probably i'd hope that i'm at least in the playoffs that would be my main aim again hopefully i've i've done enough to extract the home advantage that um old Trafford could give me um there are a couple of other pretty impressive i think matt roller's got a decent side as ever i mean there are some out there picks but i mean round nine picking um hasaranga i mean you can't deny the value there and the likes of russell stark would Hales, great value there. Um, I think um, Southern Brave also got a good side, but again, that's similar to sort of how my team uh, sort of came about, that really strong um, Sussex side, like the strong Lancashire side, getting those uh, early picks, the likes of uh, Mills and Archer, sort of really elevate um, the quality of your side. So... What did you learn from this process? What have you taken away? Like when you when you look at how you drafted and the whole draft experience, what do you think you kind of with your takeaways coming out of it? Um, get a really nice local course started early, um, which obviously I was very very fortunate to have with um, Butler, Livingston, and Parkinson, and then sort of um, really sort of plan what you really want your team to be about. Again, my team a bit more bit more of a vibes pick but if, if this was sort of more sort of realistic realistic real life we're definitely playing this tomorrow um things might be a little bit different kieran thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it it's uh, been fascinating hearing about your side and it is full vibes and it could be one of the best 
T20 franchise sides ever assembled, or it could be an absolute train wreck. And I have to appreciate that. So thank you so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Lovely. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you very much for listening to The 100 Podcast and go check out all of our redraft content on our Twitter page at Podcast 100. Go check out all our other podcasts with the other general managers, see what their picks were like. So thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you next time.